I do not believe that any of us would exchange places with any other people or any other generation. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. This is our time to put our people back to work and open doors of opportunity for our kids, to restore prosperity and promote the cause of peace, to reclaim the American dream and reaffirm that fundamental truth that out of many we are one, that while we breathe we hope, and where we are met with cynicism and doubt and those who tell us that we can't, we will respond with that timeless creed that sums up the spirit of a people. Yes, we can. Hi, I'm Henry Martin, host of Missouri Matters. This week, we'll be talking to Abby Zavos about campaign finance and campaign finance reform. Since Citizens United was decided by the Supreme Court, we've seen an influx of money into campaigns across the country. The divide between the haves and have-nots has never been greater as the access to the political process has been somewhat hijacked. Abby stepping into a seat that hasn't been contested in a number of years, and she's answering the call that a lot of people are seeing that needs to be answered. In order to give people a voice back in Washington and in state houses, we've got to have we've got to have people step up to the plate and take on the challenge of seeing if we can unseat some of the incumbents. There are inherent differences between being an incumbent and being the challenger. The incumbent has access to the people who have already been lobbying for their vote, whereas the challenger basically only has their network, whatever that network may be, friends, family, community members. So the difference in the pool between the candidates is great. Even though a candidate might, might be bad for the district, they may be able to out-fundraise the, the uh, challenger simply because they are the incumbent. After you've listened to this podcast, check out Abby Zavos' Facebook page at Elect Abby Zavos. There you can take a little trip and look, in, look into the things that she stands for and the things she's trying to bring to Missouri government. And remember, she is a grassroots candidate, so... All her donations come from people just like you and me. So if you like what she has to say and you support her vision, please donate, even if it's $5. $5 from 5,000 people is $25,000. Thank you for listening. We are here today with Abby Zavos, a candidate for Missouri's 38th House District. Uh, our topic today is campaign finance and the role it plays in getting candidates elected and the role it can play in the future, the reform of our current system. 
Abby, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you're running for, and we'll go on from there. Sure. As you said, my name is Abby Zavos. I am running for state rep in the 38th district, which is Liberty and Excelsior Springs and a little bit of Kearney. And I, we have not had a Democrat run in this district for a few years, and I think it is time. Okay. So if elected, uh, what are some of the main goals that you want to accomplish when you get to Jeff City? Well, I think we need, we need Medicaid. We've got to fix, or at least attempt to start to fix our healthcare crisis. We need to make sure we keep our public schools public, and we need to find some support for our crumbling infrastructure, which includes, you know, people think about roads and bridges, but it's more than that. It's, it's water and sewer and dams and all kinds of things. So we've got to start investing in that if we want to bring growth to Missouri. That's what companies look for is strong infrastructure. So you mentioned Medicaid. Missouri opted not to get into the Medicaid expansion during the uh, initial rollout of the Affordable Care Act. Uh, so how might the, you, the Missouri House and Senate influence the adoption of that? I think if you look at the numbers, I mean, Medicaid expansion, we get, we get federal help. And I think that, you know, we, we create jobs and we lower health costs for everyone else. It makes complete financial sense. We have to stop burdening um, rural hospitals, all hospitals really with patients who through really no fault of their own do not have health coverage. And if we can do that, that cost goes down for everyone. It's it's financially not just feasible, but it's financially sensible to make those changes. So what what inspired this run for office at this point? I worked on the campaign for uh, Coster and Candor in 2016, and I just realized how much work goes into to running for office and how much. Um, how much citizenry it takes. You know, we, we have to have volunteers and just how few people get involved. And then, then I found out that my district hadn't been challenged. And so I figured it, it needs to start with me. I care about this community and no one's run as a Democrat here. And I just felt like it was, it was time that at least somebody gave them a run for their money and why not me? Yeah, that's an excellent reason. So now, let's get to the big nitty-gritty of the whole kit and caboodle. You read, on, you read in the papers, you see on TV, how much some of these races cost. What do you think is one of the biggest drivers of the rising costs of campaigns? Well, <clears throat> I think it's outside money, plain and simple. Um, we have we have unlimited campaign contributions in some instances. We have we have dark money in Missouri, which is a huge problem. We have we have campaign finance limits, but they're not extended to to every organization. So that allows public citizens to give huge amounts of money to a company that then gives huge amounts of money to a candidate. And if you don't have those connections, um, which most people don't, then you're priced out of running for office, which defeats the whole purpose, in my personal opinion. I mean, I think we need we need candidates who aren't 
bought and paid for, we need candidates that will, will represent their constituents instead of special interests. So that's another reason that, that I'm running is because I'm not, I'm not willing to accept money um, from special interests, from big corporations who want my vote in one direction or another, even, even though it's horrible for everyday Missouri citizens. I just, I won't do that. And we need more people like me who are willing to, to draw those lines. So since the passage of Citizens United, how, ha how do you think that has really fueled this fire? Because it was it was bad before. Uh, I remember back uh, in in 1980, I was a whopping 10 years old. I remember President Reagan and President Carter. Their campaigns were not were publicly publicly financed, not uh, privately financed. So, what would it take for us to uh, go back to a system of publicly publicly financed campaigns? You mentioned Citizens United. I, I think that, unfortunately, that case is, of course, very complicated. You know, in Missouri, we are trying to pass a an amendment, a constitutional amendment for campaign finance reform. And I feel like that's almost what you have to do because we tried to reform it once and the legislature got around it, as they do. On a federal level, I almost feel like it's going to take a constitutional amendment. And again, I think that's entirely the will of the people, but not necessarily the people in Congress. It's a great question, Henry. And I completely agree with you that, or it sounds like what you're saying is that we, we've got to change the system, but we've got to do it in a thoughtful way that that won't allow, it just seems like every time we think we've got a way, there's, there's a loophole to be found. And so it has to be done with a lot of foresight, I think, um, in looking for ways to not let certain people <laughs> work around that because they do that really well. And so you, you, I, I agree completely. Um, we, we've seen uh, such a rise in, in the uh, addition of private money to campaigns with Citizens United, turning essentially turning corporations into citizens if they form PAC or a super PAC. Uh, that has allowed for the pumping of of, of unlimited dollars uh, into many campaigns. You you started to mention the, a big deal in Missouri, which is the Clean Missouri Petition, uh, which is an effort to clean this up. What might an, the average person think? Clean Missouri. You you think that you think the name Clean Missouri is is the best name <laughs> for uh, uh, such a thing because they they may be thinking that it's some kind of environmental thing. Um, well, you know, to be honest, I, I thought that the first time I saw it, um, and I'm, I'm not sure who picked out the name, um, but the, the, the bill or the, the petition is a, is a really great one. I, we are struggling to get more signatures. We're coming up on a deadline. It, it really is. I'm not sure how much the name may have harmed or hurt it, but it, it's so important and we're working on collecting signatures. We need some up in the sixth district as, as you may, may know. So um, yeah, despite the name, I really hope that we can, we can get it on the ballot because it's, it's really important. And I think it can make a very important and very good change for Missouri to get big money out of politics and lobbying. Yeah, I, I agree completely. The um, you mentioned the dark money uh, that's pouring into Missouri and um, what are some ways do you think that politicians uh, like yourself 
could be more transparent about their donations? Well, the way the law is now, that that transparency, I think, is is largely dependent on on the candidate just being willing. We file reports quarterly, and it gives it gives names of all the people who donated to our campaign. Anyone in Missouri can look at that and find out who your donors are. If if there's, you know, a large campaign donation on a candidate's page, and and they that seems to come from a 501c4, which is one of these kind of dark money organizations, then, you know, that that says something right there about the kind of candidate that that person is. I mean, I don't know, you know, like I said, it's, it's got to come from the candidates. We have to, we have to make that choice. I think hopefully voters will respond to, to candidates who choose to do the right thing and be transparent and not take that kind of money. That's, that's my hope. We just have to get the word out to, you know, to voters about where that money comes from and who's accepting it. It is, it is on the candidate to be forthcoming, and it's the responsibility of the voter also, uh, myself included, uh, to inform ourselves on who the candidates really are. What does the money mean to them, and what are they doing with the money? Where is it coming from? Because is it coming from regular people trying to get a voice in government, or is it coming from uh, large corporations or, or corporate entities that are trying to get a favorable voice in government exactly. uh, that will help pass the laws that, that they're looking to have passed. And that, that brings another, another question up. What do you think is the difference between candidates and their ability to raise money? Well, there are a lot of factors there, but I think immediately not being in the pocket of a special interest obviously hurts your fundraising ability. Those darn scruples, you know, they just getting, getting, getting away every time. Um, but I, I mean, I think that p- party funding is part of it. I think, you know, it's very hard for candidates in small rural areas to get a foot in the door. They just, it, you know, fundraising is an uncomfortable, not entirely, it's not great. And it's, it's hard work raising funds. And I think that if you don't have personal, a small personal fortune, and you don't have people with big pockets who are willing to support you, it is really hard to get elected. It's hard to fight that money machine and advertisements, I think. I I will say that uh, long ago, I made the statement that politics is a game that wealthy people play in their spare time. It, it It prices itself out of the range of regular people. But I think uh, the election of uh, uh, President Barack Obama, I think that was a, a big deal and a, and a big, big sea change or a changing point for the ability. I think he brought to light the ability to raise money from many different sources uh, since he was not the incumbent and he was not the well-known person. So I, I thought I think that that was a, a, a big a watershed moment for our political system. Here's uh, another question. Uh, some some have suggested that that uh, to totally recreate the political system, and in essence, we want to have stricter limits on campaign finances or donations, public or publicly funded elections, and and that and and that includes every office from top to bottom. You're looking at president all the way down to uh, your your local school board member. 
do you think that's feasible? And do you think that taxpayers would be willing to pay for this? I don't know if it's feasible. I think that taxpayers are wary of funding things that have not been proven to be effective. I think that campaign finance limits are crucial. I don't see, I don't see any any reason that that we have to you know stop asking. Well, basically, what I'm doing now, which is just making phone calls and asking people to please help my campaign. You mentioned Obama. The reason that that he was able to do what he did, though, was was his message. He was a he was a charismatic, smart man, and people believed in him. So, you know, I I think that yes, it's easy to to take a you know to say that money is is all of it, but but I'm hopeful that that we are in a position now where we can just be honest with people. We can just say. I am here because I think that our democracy is in is in danger of being bought and sold to the highest bidder. And I think that's a fear that Republicans can relate to, that Democrats can relate to, that independents can relate to. You know, it's not so much about red versus blue right now as it is the big guy versus the little guy. And the little guy is getting kind of screwed no matter which political party he might decide to affiliate with. So I, I just think that we the people have forgotten where our power comes from and it comes from we the people. So we've got to get out there and, and talk regardless of whether we are fundraising to the extent that we need to, we've just got to get out and, and meet people. You made an excellent point about messaging, uh, how a candidate can overcome a fundraising deficit by having the right message. So, and that that's you just fueled another question. How, <laughs> how do you communicate to people your message of real substantive change and, and help for people while not alienating specific groups? That that that's a that's a huge trick as far as, you know, uh, because that can affect how much money you can raise. How do you tailor your message? to raise dollars and cents for a campaign while not offending, well, what's what's in the news right now, uh, gun owners? Well, <laughs> I think I think that's a that's a question that a lot of candidates are are asking themselves right now. And I for me, I just keep pushing not the party message or a platform message, I just keep pushing my message, which is, I don't want to take your guns. If you are a legal gun owner without a felony or a domestic violence dispute record, then you have nothing to fear from me. Most people, I think, are fine with common sense gun I don't know if you want to call it control regulation, just common sense gun laws. But the fact of the matter is, I, I know it's big in the news, but let's talk about your wages right now. Are you able to, when's the last time you were able to afford a gun? Are you making more or less than you were 10 years ago? Because I can't really solve the gun crisis in America as a Missouri state rep, but I can protect you from these constant attacks on minimum wage. I can try to make sure that your family has access to health care. 
I can offer better roads for your kids to ride the school bus to school on and make sure that that school is the best that it can be. But I, I don't want to take your gun. I just want to represent you in a way that, that I can represent you. And I don't think that those hot button issues necessarily really come up all that much in legislation. So let's get to the real nitty gritty because I think that we probably have more in common than we have a, a part. You know, you're the, the best part of that you talked about um, uh, the party's message or plat the platform's message or my message. I think through through time and through the through the campaign, I think you you'll find in uh, in every candidate will find that if you stick with what you believe and you work for the people and you're genuine, I think people will see that it, that their individual message and how they're trying how they want to go and represent. I think that'll uh, permeate. So, all that said, we've covered a lot today. Um, is there anything else? Is there anything else you'd like everybody to know about you? I want people to know that I, I honestly want good things for my, for Missouri. I I think that progress is a good thing. That we have so many ways that we can draw business to Missouri that doesn't involve giving them huge tax cuts. I think that. Uh, strong infrastructure, strong public schools, and a healthy population is a is a much bigger influence on drawing business to a state than is a percent or two lower tax rate. So, you know, I I think that that taxes are not the problem, but but what people are making and their lifestyle choices that's that's the kind of rep- representation that that I want to provide for Missouri. And we will end on that note, Abby. That the best I. <laughs> You, you made a great point that taxes are not the problem. It's uh, people's access to, to real wages and real opportunity. That was yes. an excellent point. Yes, sir. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> we, we appreciate you. It seems apparent that we must change the way we fund our political process in a way that those in the working class actually have a way to help campaigns just as much as those who make millions. One way this is done in New York is when someone gives a small donation to the campaign, that donation is matched six to one by the city, which is only allowed for citywide candidates. Meaning that if someone donates $10 to a mayoral campaign, that candidate is given $70, $10 from the donor and $60 from the city. While this may not be feasible on a federal or state level, it is a good starting point for us to figure out a solution. In the state of Oregon, every citizen is allotted a $50 credit that they can give to any candidate, then receive that money back on next year's taxes. Finding a way to combat the issues we've talked about here in super PACs and other nefarious ways people donate large amounts of money combined with publicly funding elections, we'll be able to return to a time where politicians more directly work for the people they represent rather than the ones that donate to them. Until then, we must be vigilant as voters and make sure that we, that we, that those we vote for aren't taking the big money and are working to fund their campaigns in grassroots ways. But looking, looking at what a politician takes from donations, you must also analyze where it come from, comes from, because since we have, have to report our occupation, 
when the donations are lumped together as something like banking, a lot, can, a lot of that could be small donations they may receive from people who work in banking, rather than it be big donations from a select few people. And unfortunately, in today's times, it is impossible to win an election without a lot of money. On average, it takes about $1.7 million to win a congressional seat. This discourages everyday Americans from making a run for and winning office, keeping elected office in the hands of the wealthy and well-connected. It is expressly important that in every level of government there is represent, representation from all walks of life. We could, look forward, we could also look towards other ways of cleaning up our political process, like limiting the lobbying power of former government officials and enacting term limits on Congress, something even championed by our current president in his run. There seems to be some obvious steps we can take in government that can improve this system and potentially give some reassurance to, of democracy to the public. In a poll conducted in 2016, 40% of the responders said they had lost faith in our democracy, which is a, probably a big reason why we only saw 54% of people vote in the 2016 election, as opposed to countries like France that could see up to more than 80% of voters in an election. Reforming our campaign finance laws could do a great deal to reiterate to every American that their vote truly matters and that voting will help create a better country for every American. I'd like to thank you for tuning in to our first broadcast of Missouri Matters. I'd like to thank Abby Zavos again for being here. We hope to keep voters informed from week to week as we take this journey on finding topics that are of interest to every American voter to help improve our democratic process. We hope you'll tune in each week to help us dive into these topics as they come about. Thank you again, and have a great week.